You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 145. I don't want you to feel like you're selling. I want you to feel like you're just a better version of you. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you for joining me today on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Maria Bayer. Maria is the creator of Irresistible Selling, an online group coaching program she designed to help creative entrepreneurs book higher paying clients, grow their business, and design a life they love. She teaches the authentic selling and mindset strategies that helped her triple her income in less than a year and go on to book over $25 million in sales from companies like Target, Best Buy, Ulta, Office Max, and Hyatt. Maria is a national speaker and has authored and co-authored several Kindle books. She resides in the Chicago area with her husband, Tim, and fur baby, Gia. Usually with a cold brew in hand, which makes us friends already, Maria. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sue. I'm so excited to be here today. As an extension of your intro, I like to have people get to know you in a little bit of a creative way, and that is by having you describe for us what would be your ideal motivational candle. So if you could give us a visual of that, what would the color be and what would be the quote on your candle? Well, I think it would be an aqua color, like the sky or the sea, because that just gives me this visual of infinite possibilities. And I think the quote would be, you are more powerful than you know, because I feel like we do not embrace the power that is inside of us and we play small and we have to constantly remind ourselves that the sky's the limit for us and we need to put ourselves out there and that we're put here on this earth, not to shrink and hide, but to grow and to expand and to be the most that we can be. I so agree with you. I mean, why do we always diminish what our skills are just because they're ours? I think it's very common and we have to get out of that. (laughs) Yeah, particularly women. Yes, absolutely. I hate to generalize, but I do think, at least from my experience, women tend to shrink more and not feel like they can brag about what they've done well. And we should be proud of that because we've worked hard to get where we are and we should be proud of that. Absolutely. And just as men should be too. And the majority of our listeners, honestly, are women. So just bringing up the truth of it, it seems like when we like to state our accomplishments, it looks like we're being overly boisterous or something like that versus if men do it, it looks like being successful or however you want to say that. I think the time is to level up. And the big thing about that is, I guess I'll go a different direction with this, is if you're not going to share your successes, how is anyone going to know? Exactly. You have to be your biggest cheerleader because if you're not proud of what you've done, your clients will never see that. Absolutely. So I was so excited to find out about you, Maria, because I'll tell you, I think by far the biggest question I'm always getting from coaching clients, especially people in the creative industry, is that whole idea of selling 
is like the farthest thing from anything that people want to even think about, much less have to do. So I'm really excited to talk with you because you can't grow a business unless someone is going to know about your product and you're going to talk about it and there's going to be an exchange of money. There's going to be a sale. So let's dive into that right away. I think let's just go for it. Let's talk about the stigma behind selling. Yeah, you can't see me nodding, but I'm (laughs) nodding here as you're talking. I'm Italian, so I'll continue to talk with my hands as well. So just imagine that as you're listening. You can give us the visual anytime (laughs) you need to. That's fine. Air quotes, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, so that is absolutely by far the biggest, I think, hurdle that so many of us have to go over to get to the other side. And I struggled with that as well. When I went into sales a long, long time ago, part of the reason I went into it was to get out of my shell, actually, because I was so painfully introverted. And I wanted to not be so introverted and so scared to like talk to people I didn't know. So I started in sales. I met somebody that introduced me to somebody who needed to hire a salesperson. And he was complaining because he couldn't find somebody that knew the finance world. And that was my background. So I went to school for finance. I was working in that industry. And so he hired me with absolutely zero experience in selling because he said, I can teach you how to sell, but I need someone who understands the people they're selling to, who can talk their language, who can understand what they're thinking, what they're struggling with. And in this case, I was selling software. This is what the product was. And it was selling software to people in companies to like CFOs or controllers, people that were handling money. And it was helping them with budgeting and a few other things. So he taught me how to sell. But what he wanted was somebody, obviously, that knew that industry. Fast forward, he did that. He taught me how to sell. He left a few months later. So here I am stumbling around in this job and having some of the skills that I needed because he taught me some great things before he left. (laughs) And then I was floundering because I didn't have a manager at that point. And I wasn't just trying to figure it out. And it wasn't working. So fast forward, I get laid off because I'm the low man on the totem pole and I'm not producing. So of course they lay me off. I find another job, thank God, in the same industry. And they took a chance on me because I really didn't have very much experience. But thankfully there I had a manager that really understood me and was very, very good at just cultivating what was my natural talents and helping me realize that my mindset about selling that it was not correct. (laughs) And what was impeding me was that I was thinking, oh, I've got to be aggressive. I've got to be this used car salesman. No offense to any car salespeople out there, but I didn't have to be that stereotype. And once he helped me realize that, that that's what I was thinking, and that was not necessarily true, that there are many ways to be successful in selling, that I could leverage my natural strengths of people skills and befriending people and really understanding them and being their advocate, that I could be successful that way. And so he helped me see that my mindset was in my way, but more importantly than that, that it wasn't the only way to sell. So he gave me a different way to frame what I was thinking and he helped me align my goals with my mindset. So that really made all the difference in my career. And that's when things skyrocketed for me. So once I was able to figure that out and really look at selling in a different way, my results just completely skyrocketed. I almost think we should change the whole word because selling reminds me of that. And I was in sales for most of my corporate life. And I think you're always in sales. If you're in business, you're always in sales to some level. 
But the old-fashioned word of sales is exactly what you're talking about, like the car salesman or just that, I don't even care if you need it, but you're going to buy it from me type attitude. Exactly. And like I said, I wish there was a whole different word because the approach to having someone purchase what you have for their benefit doesn't equate to that old image of sales at all. Exactly. And that's the only way I can sell. I don't want to sell you something that you do not have a need for. So that's my approach. And so one of the things that I try to impress upon my students is that the way you think about sales is really going to completely affect the way you talk to your clients, the way they feel when they're talking to you and how they respond to you. So my feeling is you are, and after a long, long time in sales, I've been in so many different scenarios. So I've seen it from so many different perspectives, but the best thing for me is really to look at it from the perspective of I'm your advocate. I'm your consultant. I'm somebody that wants the best for you. Even if that means that you're going to hire somebody else, that's okay. I want you to make an informed decision and make the best decision for you. So I want to give you the information you need to make a decision one way or the other. Another way to spin it is if a friend comes up to you and says, hey, a lot of my clients are in the wedding industry. So what I tell them is if a friend comes to you and says, let's say you're a wedding planner and your friend comes to you and says, hey, I'm getting married, but I can't use you as my planner because let's say you're out of the country, for example. (laughs) So what advice would you give me in selecting a wedding planner? So when you look at it from that perspective, as you're consulting your friend, how to pick a wedding planner and what questions to ask and what the differences are between different types of wedding planners and why some are priced at this price point and why some are priced at this price point that's higher, that's the way you should look at it because then it helps you change your whole dynamic and your perspective and just the approach that you take when you're talking to somebody and you don't feel like you're selling. And that's my goal. I don't want you to feel like you're selling. I want you to feel like you're just a better version of you and just more articulately explaining how you can help somebody. Yes. And I think for that to happen, you have to have a very clear understanding yourself of what it is you offer and who is right for your product or services and who isn't necessarily right for your product services. In other words, that you would want to then send them on to somebody else. Exactly. So for Gift Biz listeners, that's one of the things that we talk about is making sure that you really understand who your product best serves and have that grounded, which then falls right into what Maria's talking about. I love when you're saying, talk like you're talking to a friend. And again, I'm going to just say this as women, I think we do. We really want the best for the people that we are talking to. We're not looking necessarily at making quotas or that type of thing. But before you can have that friendship, you have to have developed some level of trust. Exactly. How do people go about doing that? How do they build trust with someone that they just met? Yeah. I think there's a lot of aspects to that. So there's the things that you can do before they even talk to you that can build trust. So to your point, if you know who your ideal customer or client is, the way you talk to that client on your website, because that's usually going to be the first touch point that they have, make sure that you talk to them, to that specific person. That will help them feel like, oh, she gets me. Like she really understands what I'm struggling with and what I desire and what I want in my life. So that's like the first touch point. And then building it throughout your entire process. That's one of my philosophies is one way to not be salesy, not be pushy, not be a used car salesman is really to structure your process 
from beginning to end so that all of it reinforces your end result, which is to get them to a decision, whether that's yes or no. So giving them everything that they need to make a decision and make them feel like you understand them, whether that be the questions that you ask them, the process that you take them through. If you are offering services, for example, there's usually some automation tools that you're going to need to make that process be smooth and come across very professionally. So all of those little pieces go into building trust. And then some of the just really easy things are fast response times, following through on what you say you're going to do. Like if you're a business owner that has to give somebody a quote, for example, don't say you're going to give it to them in an hour and give it to them three days later. Simple things like that you can do where most people think, oh, they have to go through hoops and do something extraordinary. My experience shows me that a lot of people aren't doing even the basic things right. So if you do those right, you're going to stand out just by doing what you say you're going to do. Oh my gosh, so true. And it seems so obvious. If you say you're going to do something, then just follow through and actually do it. Exactly. I think the other thing is consistency. When we were talking about your online presence and you're talking about when they get to the website, make sure that you are speaking to them so that they really feel like you understand your customer. But also you should be doing that across all of your online sites. So if it's on social media, if you're doing live presentations, everything, you want to keep consistent because that also develops a level of trust because you're showing up somewhere and you're the same everywhere you show up. You're exactly right. Absolutely. And I think that when you try to be consistent across all platforms and you try to show them what your personality and your philosophy is like, then when they talk to you on the phone or interact with you, you're portraying the same person. There's no disconnect there, right? So I think that, especially for me, I look at what do I want to portray? What do I want people to know about me in my social media, whether I say it overtly or whether it's just the undertone of what's the tone of what I'm putting out there. So I want people to know that I'm approachable. I want them to know that I am somebody that will encourage you because I think that that's half the battle. <laughs> and that's my personal philosophy that you should aim for the stars. And I always want to encourage people because they can do so much more than they think. Maria is talking about how she is approaching her customers and she provides the services, the sales coaching, et cetera. If you're an artist with a tangible product, you are still the face behind your whole company because you're the creator of the product. Even if you now have that product produced by others at this point because you've grown. I think, Maria, the interesting thing that you're just talking about now is also the hardest thing for so many people to do in terms of consistency, especially when you're in person, because the real story is, to be consistent, you just need to be yourself. And that's also the scariest thing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes we're afraid to be ourselves because we're not sure if people are going to like that or if it's going to resonate with them. But to me, it's the best way. Honesty is in all aspects is the easiest thing because you don't have to ever remember <laughs> what you did. You just be yourself and you'll always be consistent. Right. Which brings us to your yes or no. You were just mentioning that you're looking for that end result and the end result should be a yes or no. The worst result is a maybe, someone who drags you on. Absolutely. In fact, sometimes it helps to look at it like from a dating perspective. Sales to me is a lot like dating. <laughs> in fact, I remember a client a long time ago, she posted in our Facebook group. She says, by the way, I've been using your strategies very effectively in my dating life. <laughs> Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many parallels. 
And I found that if you approach a sales situation, like, and I was there, so I get it. I've been on both sides of it. I was that scared salesperson that didn't want to be pushy and always just wanted to sell somebody and was afraid that if I did the wrong thing, they wouldn't buy, et cetera. So I get that. But once I was able to look at it from the perspective of it's a two way street, I want them to like me, but I want to like them too. I want to make sure it's a good mutual fit. And so I use that terminology a lot with my clients and I have them use it with their clients to help show their clients that this has to be a mutual fit. I'm not here just to take your money. I might love you, but you may not love me and it needs to be a two-way street. So when you look at it from that perspective, it really helps kind of relax you and helps you remember that it's not just you that's on display here and that you have to give a show or some magic spiel and then they'll hire you. It's really a conversation. It's really more of a friendship, so to speak, and it has to be a two-way street. And that tends to relax both sides so that you can have a much more intimate conversation and get to the heart of what they're looking for. Right. So we've talked about the switch in mindset that we should have about sales. We've also talked about how the conversation continues on after you've gotten that initial contact, developing trust, and then you're talking with a friend and just being honest, seeing if it's a fit from both sides. Let's back up a little bit and talk about how do you get that first connection point? Do you have any thoughts on that? With a potential client that comes to you that inquires? Sure. When someone inquires with you, I think that's a really critical point. And in my sales background, there's different strategies that you use to, I guess, test out the client to see how serious they are. The rule of thumb is in the beginning, you want to make it super easy for people to contact you. So the first step is really looking at, for example, if the best way for them to contact you is your website, or maybe you have an Etsy site or something like that, make sure that you have your contact information or the way that you want them to contact you, whether that's your phone, email, or a contact form, make sure that that's readily accessible. Make sure they don't have to click 14 times to get to it or to search and to find it. So that's first step is make it super easy for them just to make that first step to reach out. You don't want to give them too many hurdles in the beginning because you don't want to keep them and prevent them from reaching out to you. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And I see that as contact numbers on your website, contact forms like you're talking about. It seems so obvious, but if you go and look around, you'll see a lot of people miss this step. So yes, it's super important. I agree with you. Right. Especially if you have a physical location, that should be front and center on your website. So don't make people hunt for that. Your location should be on every page, in my opinion. Just make it super easy because people might come to you in different ways, not necessarily your main page. So that's the most important thing. Next, we're going to move into an important conversation about selling to corporations. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. And I want to just make a point to our listeners here too. I'm thinking of this more in the vein, you guys, of when you're going after corporate business because people who are coming in as a customer just right into the store are going to be able to look at your products, talk with you a little bit pretty easily, yes, no. I think this conversation and selling in particular, we all kind of freeze when we're looking at larger accounts, larger business, either getting your product or your service into corporate 
or else going the wholesale route where you want to get products and such into Whole Foods or other types of locations. So think of this as we continue talking with that in the back of your mind. That's a really good point. And also, if you're going after corporate accounts, then it's going to become really important for you to have a tight process and automation systems and things that will alert you as soon as an inquiry comes in so that those things are handled in a consistent and timely manner. Because especially with corporate accounts, time is of the essence because they have higher expectations of response times than usually the general public does. So that's going to be really critical to show that you are professional, that you've got the systems in place, that you know your stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you come across as just some independent contractor type of a person that doesn't have any automation, it's not going to come across as professionally as somebody that has a system down. Really, really good point. I think there's a couple of keys we're going to be bringing out here when dealing with corporate, but a thought that you just triggered in my mind also is, especially people who have never maybe worked in corporate before, a couple things to think about. Number one, you're probably dealing with a marketing department, a purchasing department, and they are on the line for providing success to their business. There's a lot for them riding on you if they're going to use your product or your services. So you need to instill, we were talking about trust earlier, but the confidence that what you say you're going to do can actually be done and that you will do. The other thing about corporate is, I'll be interested in your thoughts about this, Maria, is you don't want to wait for them to tell you how to proceed. You want to have a process. So you want to be guiding a potential corporate customer from, okay, the initial meeting, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we'll do, gathering information, whatever it is. And then you having the next step so that you are controlling, not in an aggressive way, but where you are very confident and you know what the next steps are, whether it's contracts, whether it's samples, whatever. Because if you leave it up to the other person, it'll possibly just fall flat. That's a really, really good point. And that's, I think, important no matter who you're selling to. It's one of the things that we talk about with my clients in terms of in order for you to show that you know what you're doing. I mean, part of the reason why people hire you, whether it's corporate or otherwise, is that you're the expert. You have something they don't have and that they want. So one of the things that's going to convince them is they want to feel confident that you're confident. They want to know that for you, this is no problem, no brainer. We can do this. We've done this all day long. We can handle this. Not a problem. So one of the ways to do that is by gently leading them down your process. The fact that you even have a process shows that you're a professional. It shows that you have experience because people that are brand new that haven't had a lot of clients under their belt, they're not going to have a process because they're not going to have done it enough. So by virtue of the fact that you actually have a process, that shows that you're a professional, number one. But number two, to your point, it gently leads them down that path because your goal is to get them to the end point for them to become a client. So you want to know what that process is and be able to gently guide them because I even find this myself when I'm talking to somebody, even if it's the smallest thing that I want to hire somebody for or buy from somebody, if they're not asking me the questions or if they're not framing the conversation and gently leading me down a path, I'll just take over naturally. And that's what happens when you hear that if you're with a client and the client starts throwing questions at you and starts sort of in the middle and then you get flustered. The reason why that typically happens is because you're not leading the process. 
If you frame the call, if you frame the meeting, if you frame whatever that interaction is, like the purpose of this is X, and at the end of it, this is what we hope to get out of it, then it's going to help you go down that process faster and more smoothly. Perfect. Yes, I love that. And I love that we're talking a little bit deeper in terms of the process. So people who have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, let's share a little bit about what we think should be certain elements of a process. I know it's different for every single business, clearly, but what types of things do you feel would be part of a process? The very first part needs to be the information gathering. So qualifying is another name for that, but it's really arming you with the information you need to determine even the most basic things like, can I serve this client? Do I have a solution for them? Are they a good fit for me? And what information do I need to know to be able to determine that? And then depending on what you do for a living and what your area is, then you obviously want to ask more specific questions that will help you do your job better. But in my mind, the most important thing is qualifying them mutually. So being able to get the information you need to see if they're a good fit for you, but then also taking that information and being able to frame for them what you can do for them. So sales to me is not just you learning a spiel that you just throw stuff at the wall to see what sticks. It's more about listening to a client and finding out what is it that they truly need. And part of that includes asking really smart questions, which in the very beginning, you probably won't know what those questions are. But as you get more of those conversations under your belt, you'll be able to frame and determine what some of those open-ended questions should be. Like, what is it that you're looking for? Why are you looking for this? What do you think it will do for you? Questions along those veins will help uncover what their ultimate desires are and their needs are. As I'm thinking about people who are listening to when they have a specific product, some of the other questions could be, who is your end customer? What of my product line do you think they would be the most interested in? How quickly do you need us to turn inventory? What type of volume are you looking at? Do you want fewer items, but a lot of them or lots of various items so that you understand what the expectations would be? It's not just, oh, you come in, do you want to buy my product? And that way, by asking these types of questions and then how it applies to your product, then you can come back with a really custom proposal that's exactly fitting what they're needing. Yeah. And I think also to stand out, a lot of my clients will tell me that they're standing out because of merely the questions that they're asking. Because now I'm giving them additional questions to ask that no one else is asking them. So when you are asking somebody questions that no one else is asking, you're going to stand out and you're going to make them think about things in a different way. So think about, depending on what you do for a living, try to figure out some deeper questions to ask. Maybe those questions could be, what is it that your clients truly want and need? What do they aspire to? Or what are they so challenged with? What solution would you give them if you could wave a magic wand? Help them understand their client better so that you can tailor a solution that not just addresses physical needs, like I can give you X amount of product in this time frame. Those are all sort of just facts. What I want to help people do is really get to the bottom of what that end customer truly needs, because that's what they're paying for. They're not paying for a pen or a widget or whatever. They're paying for what that will do for them. So the more that you understand what their clients want, 
deep down, the better you're going to be able to communicate that. And that's when the value of your products and services increases. Absolutely. And that separates you from somebody who sells whatever your product is versus anybody else who's coming in. Exactly. Because those people are order takers. You're not an order taker. Exactly, Maria. I could not agree with you more. (laughs) (laughs) So we talk about the fact that you're really trying to get a customer from yes to no. And I think no tells you a lot also. You know, it tells you that they're not going to buy from you now. But what do you think someone should do if they hear a no? That's a great question. And in fact, I just tested this on my own clients. <laughs> and it's really a great thing to do. And there's lots of different ways that you can do this. But first of all, realize that no doesn't mean no forever. No could be just not right now. No could be not today, maybe tomorrow. No might be not in the way that you're presenting it to me, but maybe in a different form. So I try to dig into that and I'll ask a client that I thought might be a great prospective client for me that didn't, for example, enroll in one of my programs. I'll ask them, what could we have done better? Is there any advice that you can give us for the next time we offer this program to better meet your needs and open it up to questions and ask and solicit their feedback because you'd be surprised at what you get back. And I'm just a big proponent in having that open communication with clients and potential clients and finding out and asking those questions. Because sometimes it's just the way you're packaging something. Maybe it could be the fact that maybe you just need to offer a payment plan that you didn't offer before. Or it might be something that's doable for you. Now, it may not be, and that's okay. You need to understand that. That's still good information and knowledge for you. But if you don't ask the question, you'll never know. So I think the best way is literally the direct approach and ask them, what could we have done better? Or what do you recommend we do for the next time? What could we do to make you say, oh my God, yes, I want to work with you. Or yes, I want to buy your product. And the best advice I've gotten over the years has been from my clients. So I will ask them all the time for feedback, suggestions, ideas, comments, because that's the only way to get better. And that's the only way, that's sometimes the very quickest way and best way to get some really creative ideas. I just did that this morning, in fact, with one of my clients. I asked her about what she thought would be a great solution for our new clients. And she gave me some awesome ideas that I never would have thought of myself. Well, and honestly, it's always a process. You're at one point, you get better, you go through actions, and you learn more, and then you adjust what you're doing, and then you're better the next time, and it just keeps growing. I mean, it really never ends. Absolutely. If you have a feedback loop, then you'll always be getting that feedback and you'll always be refining what you have and be able to continuously make it better. Right. And I think when you get the no, you have the feedback, you get all that information, and then sometimes you really know it is a no, probably forever, but it might only be a no for six months. Maybe they don't have the budget. Exactly. Maybe there's something underlying that you're not aware of that they're not willing to share. So I think another thing after a no could be, would it be all right if I touch base with you again in six months or so just to see how you're doing or check in on you or something? Yeah, I love that. And the other thing to remember, and so many of my clients and just people I know have done this and it's been super successful. Don't forget that when someone tells you no, if you give them a great experience and you're gracious about it and you leave that door open for them to come back, so often they will send referrals to you. Because just because you're not a great fit for them for whatever reason, if they love the experience of working with you and you are nice about it, they will almost always refer other people to you. 
I am so glad you said that. That is a really, really great point. So one other thing that I'm thinking our listeners might say is, oh my gosh, am I being too nosy? You're asking me to go in and ask this corporate client all about their company. And that makes me nervous because I'm going to be asking them some in-depth questions potentially. And then also at another point when they say, no, you're asking me to go back and then also make myself vulnerable and ask them all these questions. Are they even going to talk to me about these things? Sure. I think part of it is really just helping them understand why you want to know it. So if you're asking what might seem like a too personal question or too in-depth question, tell them why. Tell them this really helps us understand your client better so that we can come up with better solutions for you. And if you have an example of that, that's even better because your clients don't know what they don't know either. So it helps for you to explain why you want to know that. And then the other part that you were asking, what was the second part of your question? I was asking about how uncomfortable they would be asking those questions, both for initially and then if you said no to understand why, the why of the no. I have a great tip for that. So when someone says no, one of the great ways to get feedback back from them is to have someone else in your company reach out to them. So people just by nature will want to temper what they tell you because they don't want to hurt your feelings, especially we as women do this. But if they're talking to a buffer, in other words, somebody else that's not you, because you're the one that's giving the product or service, they will be much more forthcoming with that other person than they will be for you. Yeah, that's good. That's one of your little side tricks or something? (laughs) Yeah, it's just one of the things because one of the things that I want my clients to do is to maximize every client. So even if they lose that client, I want them to maximize it. So find out why and see if there's any way that you can win them back. And sometimes they do. So there's strategies there for that as well. But you need to really maximize all that information because it's all good information for you to know. Helps make you better the next time. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right. So I want to spin this a little bit. You have been talking about resources and things that you should have in place, automation tools, all of that. Can you share with us some of the tools that you think on more of a general basis, given that our audience can be a little different here, that you would suggest or that you're using in your business or referencing for your clients? Sure. My favorite tool is Acuity for scheduling, and that has saved my life. (laughs) (laughs) Any business owner that has to schedule anything with anyone, whether it's team members or it's clients or potential clients. It not only makes you look professional, but Acuity is so easy to use and has so many great features. You can set up different types of appointments with different types of questions that you ask, for example. So there's so much power in it. It's super affordable. They have a free version. And when I started implementing it, it made all the difference in my time and going back and forth with people. And today, really, I think consumers expect that level of automation. So you really should have a calendar where people can just go and click and reserve a time with you if that's something that you want them to be able to do. But you can integrate it into your website. You can just send them the link. You can integrate it into Facebook. There's so many ways that you can use it, but that's a great tool for that. And I know other people use Calendly. So that's another tool that's very similar. I just personally use Acuity myself. I use Schedule Once, same type of thing. Exactly. There are many out there, but you're recommending this one. 
Gift Biz listeners, I'm going to put this in the show notes. As you know, there'll be a page connected up with Maria's interview that will give you all of the information. So Acuity will be there for sure. Let's talk about sales a little bit more in terms of where you're reaching out, either giving or getting more information to continue to grow and perfect your skill in terms of sales consulting. Are there any podcasts you listen to, conferences you go to, to stay up to date or to mingle within your industry? That's a great question. I personally read a lot of books. That's one of my personal favorite things to do, but I also have different masterminds that I belong to for different purposes. So for example, I have one where it's a bunch of educators. So people like myself that are teaching other business owners, whatever the subject may be. So we get together on a regular basis online and talk. We have our own Facebook group. So to me, having those types of groups of experts that you can go to are so helpful, especially as business owners, because so many of us work by ourselves or in very small teams, and you really don't have access to a lot of outside people like you do in a corporation. You can go to your manager or to a different department, and you're constantly learning. But as business owners, you have to take control of that yourself. So for me, one of my favorite ways is to have a mastermind that I can go to, that I can lean on them, I can be honest with them, open with them, transparent, and really talk about how to do something or maybe something isn't going well. What have you done that works? What could I be doing wrong? That sort of conversation, you need that camaraderie, number one, but you also need that advice. It's sort of like your board of directors. That's the way I look at it. It's sort of like my higher level people that I go to, to help me vet out some of the ideas that I'm thinking of for my business and the direction I'm thinking of taking it. And they're not all local. No, they're all over the country. So GIF is listeners, one way that you could do this if you don't have access or don't know how to put together a mastermind is go into some of your industry specific Facebook groups, some of those private groups that you're in. And see if there are a few people that you really resonate with, that you're sharing information that's helpful to them, vice versa. And you may even be able to build yourself a small group, just like Maria is talking about, within your industry. That would be one way to do it. Another way would be locally if you want to get different types of functions in, like you may want some accounting people if you're a product person, whatever the different genres are and get a group of people together. But masterminding is a fabulous way to get new ideas about your business because you're getting new eyes on your business. With us as business owners, it's so easy to get so zeroed in that you don't really see your business as well as you could if you were taking a little bit of a higher level, I guess I'd say. All right. So Maria, at this point, I would like to invite you to Dare to Dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Well, thank you for the gift, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. What am I giving you? (laughs) You're giving me this most fabulous gift that's wrapped beautifully, by the way. It's a gift of being independently wealthy of living life on my terms, meaning being able to make the decisions I want to make. And if I want to get up and get on an airplane with my husband, we can do that. I've always felt like I want to travel more and see more of the world. And I've been so busy working most of my life that I really want to explore that because I feel travel gives you so much insight and expands your mind like nothing else in the world. 
on a business level, I want to have a thriving business where I'm really impacting the most business owners I can, because I feel like we really need to change the conversation. And we're at a really important juncture in our world. And I think women are poised to make amazing leaps right now. And I'd like to help them do that and really change the face of what it means to not just sell, but interact with other people on a personal and professional level and really change the conversation and how people interact with one another and how people sell to one another. And I think we can really change the game and empower people. And so I'd love to do that and also be a motivational speaker for the younger generation so that we can instill in them at a really young age that they can do anything and they can be, do and have whatever they want. And they just have to believe it. And that's part of the first thing that they need to do. And if we do that when they're young, they'll grow up believing it and not have to struggle as much as we have. Oh, that's beautiful. You don't see me over here, but I'm smiling about that. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) It's just beautiful. How can our listeners get in touch with you or see what's going on with Irresistible Selling or whatever else you'd like to share? Awesome. Thank you. So I have a Facebook group for creative business owners, so they can join me there. It's called Learn, Collaborate, Flourish. So you could just search on that term in Facebook, and I'd love for you to join us. If you join, introduce yourself so I know who you are and that you came from here so I can give you a special shout out. But for those of you that are interested in my Irresistible Selling program, you can go to, and I'll give you a bit.ly link, and I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, but it's bit.ly forward slash Irresistible Selling, all lowercase. And if you want free sales tips delivered right to your inbox, you can just go to mariabayer.com and just give me your email address and you'll get free sales tips. That is really great. Because I think that everybody listening here is like, okay, so what Maria is saying doesn't sound so hard. This is something that I could do. I can reframe my mindset. I could actually do this. But you know what happens. Later this afternoon or tomorrow or when they get in a position of selling, then it goes back to being freaked out about it and nervous and anxious again. So I encourage all of you to sign up and get these tips. Maria, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. You've shared some great tips, leveled out this whole scary thing about selling for us. I think it empowers us as women now to go out because we can talk to anybody as a friend and we can definitely do this. And this is a way to get more business, grow your business in a much more comfortable way. So for sharing all of that, Maria, I thank you so much. I absolutely love your Dare to Dream answer. And our wish for you, of course, is that your candle, in terms of empowering and all of that, not playing small, that your candle always burns bright. Thank you. That's so sweet. And it's been my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. This episode is all wrapped up, but fortunately, your gift biz journey continues. Are you eager to learn more? Our gift biz gal has a free download just for you. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps to get your copy of the 12 steps to starting a profitable gift biz. Don't delay. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps today. And until next time, happy business crafting. 